Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. It's Thursday, June 29th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Today's floods are carrying more water and lasting longer than in the past. That spells trouble for the communities along riverbanks. Our riverfront is wonderful, but, you know, it can be our best attraction and it can be our worst nightmare at the same time. In just a few minutes, St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmid reports on how cities along the country's largest river, the Mississippi, are looking to harness nature to protect themselves against future high water. It's shaping up to be the warmest day of the year so far in the St. Louis region. The National Weather Service says afternoon temperatures will be around 100 degrees and it could feel like 110. A system producing record highs in the southern plains is now moving into St. Louis. Meteorologist Alex Elmore says cooler conditions should arrive in a couple days. It looks like as we get into Saturday, we may start to see some relief as a cold front slowly makes its way through the area. Not only is that cold front going to take the edge off temperatures, but we'll also see uh, increased rain chances with that, which will produce cloud cover and also help to cool things down through the weekend. Elmore says temperatures will rise again by July 4th, but it should not be as warm as today. He also says the Canadian wildfire smoke hanging over St. Louis and Quincy yesterday morning has moved out of both areas. Missouri voters could decide whether some local governments can enact gun control measures. A group known as Sensible Missouri has filed several proposals with Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft's office. All would allow St. Louis, Kansas City, Jackson County, and St. Louis County to enact some firearms restrictions. Missouri bars places like the city of St. Louis from enacting most gun laws. Sensible Missouri will conduct polling to see which proposal could find favor with state voters in 2024. Backers of that plan would then need to gather around 171,000 signatures across six congressional districts to make it on next year's ballot. After a deadly shooting at a downtown St. Louis party, city policymakers say it's time for the legislature to get serious about taking guns away from juveniles. St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum has more on the issue from Representative Steve Butts' appearance on Politically Speaking. Earlier this month, one person was killed and 11 people were injured at a party in downtown St. Louis. Many of the victims were minors, and Butts says it shows the need for the state legislature to pass bills to keep guns away from juveniles. Even though the GOP-controlled legislature typically doesn't pass gun control measures, Butts says there is bipartisan agreement that something needs to be done to disarm minors. Underage minors should not be walking around in public with loaded firearms, period. Butts also supports a proposal by St. Louis Alderwoman Kara Spencer to bar people from openly carrying guns without a conceal and carry permit. I'm Jason Merzenbaum, St. Louis Public Radio. That episode of Politically Speaking is at stlpr.org. The principal of Central Visual and Performing Arts High School in St. Louis has resigned. Casey Shahid led the school through the mass shooting that killed one teacher and one student in October. The CVPA graduate was principal for eight years. Shahid's contract expires tomorrow. The Missouri Department of Natural Resources is trying to determine if Coldwater Creek has harmful levels of a chemical accidentally released this week from a Boeing wastewater treatment plant. 
St. Louis Public Radio's Lily Halloran reports. The water was being treated when a Boeing containment system failed Monday, releasing a thousand gallons. Officials want to know if it contains the carcinogen hexavalent chromium or its friendlier cousin, trivalent chromium. Michael Kessner is a DNR project manager. He says the department can't start a cleanup until it finishes testing. We shouldn't have any issue with people directly pulling it up from a well. However, cold water itself does have it in it, so we're not sure how far that's going to move. Kessner says people should avoid contact with Coldwater Creek. I'm Lily Halloran, St. Louis Public Radio. The Environmental Protection Agency is making more than $1 million available to Missouri communities most in need of clean drinking water. The money comes from a grant program for underserved and disadvantaged communities with small water systems and most residents falling below the poverty line. EPA administrators say it's part of the agency's push to make sure vulnerable communities can comply with the Safe Drinking Water Act. Illinois' corn crop is doing worse than 2012 when the state suffered one of its worst droughts in decades. State climatologist Trent Ford says the 2012 drought lingered deep into the summer It's not clear whether that will happen this year. Ford says the next few weeks will be critical. We're right against it right now where we do need this rain. We cannot go into a very dry pattern over the next three weeks uh, akin to what we've seen over the next three. Ford says the July forecast shows promise for more rain. Major flooding in 2019 along the Mississippi River and its tributaries caused some $6 billion in damage. Communities along the Mississippi and other major rivers are now looking to nature to manage the floods of the future. St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmid reports. Alton Mayor David Goins says the flooding in 2019 was the talk of the town. It drew people. I mean, that's not a great way to attract tourists. You know, but people came from all over to see the flooding because it was one of the bigger ones since 1993. The 2019 crest was the second highest on record. He says it illustrates the dilemma of having parts of a city right on the river. Our riverfront is wonderful, but, you know, it can be our best attraction and it can be our worst nightmare at the same time. It's a familiar reality for communities up and down the 2,500 miles of the Mississippi. And it comes as many of those same communities are eyeing multi-million dollar developments right on the river's edge. Colin Wellencamp is the executive director of the Mississippi River Cities and Towns Initiative. People all over the world want to come and see this iconic natural phenomenon that is the Mississippi. It it has a, a larger international following than the Grand Canyon. Wellencamp says communities see the Mississippi's value beyond a corridor for commerce. More and more, people want to interact with the river and its scenery. Things like birding, canoeing, parks, and public spaces right next to the water. But there's one big challenge, he says. The Mississippi has been bouncing between times of too much water when it floods and too little when there's a drought. Now the events are stacking up very close together, two years, and it's either feast or famine. After 2019, his organization started focusing on wetlands restoration to better manage the river's water. One project is at a place called Rasky Slough, about 10 miles northeast of the St. Louis Arch. A small berm separates its 60 acres of tall grasses and shallow ponds from Horseshoe Lake. 
Mike Sertle is here watching for egrets, great blue herons, and other birds. You know you're in a wetland or near a wetland when the red wings are around. Sertle manages Mississippi wetlands restoration projects for Ducks Unlimited. He says this slough can hold excess water during flooding and heavy rains, like what happened last July. Water from Rasky trickles back into Horseshoe Lake and eventually to the Mississippi. The goal is to mimic a natural system. You want to dry it out every now and then because it aerates that soil and we get a flush growth of vegetation. Plants that suck up more water and provide habitat. From start to finish, this project cost about $250,000, but Sertle says bigger ones can run into the millions. Investment in proper infrastructure in these wetland systems, as we look years of return, uh, yeah, we, we are seeing that it's worth the upfront cost. Jill Castell, a senior environmental engineer with the Wetlands Initiative, agrees. The cost benefit is so much more in terms of we're not paying out damages, we're not paying out for new infrastructure. Which can run into the millions or billions each time the water rises. Castell adds the floods of today carry more water and last longer than they did in the past. She says it also doesn't help that the prevailing solution to flooding has been building higher levees. We're trying to manage a river. You can't manage a river, right? We're doing our best, but you know, we're just giving this idea that we're providing, you know, flood protection. Costell says returning rivers back to how they naturally work isn't just cheaper, but it can also help protect the cities, culture, wildlife, and habitat that rely on them. I'm Eric Schmidt, St. Louis Public Radio. Our Fred Ehrlich edited that report. Ashley Listenby is the news director of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.